the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I say the way I'm saying it, with the volume of voice I'm using, the Lord is good. Yeah, it sounds nice. You know, it shows that I'm not doing that and that the mask is not choking you. It's just covering your face. <laughs> the Lord is good. Okay, uh, before we take our seats, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding. We do that anytime we want to study. And why we do it is that it activates our spirits. They are not just mere words. You must understand, words are the power. Yes, they are the power carriers of the spirit. Don't take words lightly. Watch your words when you want to speak them. Okay? Continually speak words that are in line with the word of God. They are doing something when you don't even realize. I hope you are getting my point. Words are doing something when you don't even realize it. It's not, you know, there are times you want to take confession. You, you, and you are charged. The atmosphere is charged. That one is working. Amen? It's working, right? No, say it now. Is it working? Yes. Uh-huh. But let me tell you something. Even when the atmosphere is not charged, the power is the same. Do you get my point? When everybody says, say after me, in the name of Jesus, I am a winner. I am an overcome. And you are shouting it. You, know, you are feeling very charged. It's the same thing. The same amount of power. When you are feeling very, very tired and you are in your house and you say, I'm a winner, I'm an overcomer, you're not screaming. It's the same amount of power. Don't ever forget it. The first time you hear some things, it looks so powerful. You want to just, you know, die with it. After saying it a hundred times, you are so used to it, you don't even take it seriously anymore. But let me tell you something. The amount of power in it after you've said it a hundred times is still the same as that first day. When it was charging you, you felt like you could walk over the moon. What am I trying to say? Don't take these words lightly. Don't take them lightly. All right, the Lord is good. I know we say them all the time, but don't take them lightly. They are working in your life. They are doing something for you. All right. All right, let's take, let's take our declaration of understanding as we begin to study. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Light, illumination, that's your portion today in Jesus' name. You will no longer walk in darkness. You will have the light that produces life in the name of Jesus Christ. This is so strong on my mind, God wants to release his healing power into our lives. And that's why I keep on saying it, pay attention. Something is about to flow into your body. Even if you have a terminal illness, somebody is watching us from somewhere, Please, just give us the next two hours. Pay attention. Something is about to flow into your body. Amen. God can work miracles. Instantaneously, something disappears. But there are times it just dissolves away. Over the next one week, over the next two weeks. You can't even place your hand on the day it vanished. But it has vanished. Amen. That is your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, pay attention. Tell your neighbor, pay attention. pay attention. Wherever you are listening to us from, wherever you may be watching us on Facebook, um, YouTube, Twitter, Mixlr, listening on Mixlr, all you need to do is just pay attention. I know you, there's work, you want the thing to be playing in the background while you sew your clothes. 
shut down that machine, go to a place, put your earphones, space up and down so you don't fall asleep. You understand my point? Pay attention. It's just for the next one and a half, two hours. Do that. Leave every other thing. You know, I know you want to cook, okay? Shut down the, 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 um, the, the cooker, all right? Put off the blender. Just wait for another one and a half hours. The food can wait. The problem we have is that we don't pay enough attention. Do you get my point? The amount of thought and study, the Bible says, determines the amount of power that will be released. It's a sign of your faith for you to commit and pay attention. So pay attention this evening, and you are going to be blessed in the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Now we have been looking at this knowledge of God and how to tap into this spiritual power. You know, there's something I had a, if I think, as I was just about to start preaching, that thing came, came to my mind, so I believe the Spirit wants me to talk about that first. Um, it not, it's nothing new, and if I finish it on time, I get into my message. I hope to do this in 15 minutes, actually. But if I don't, if it takes the whole day, fine, we'll be back next time. Like I say all the time, Chooks, we will continue preaching. All right, <laughs> I didn't know they finished. <laughs> After what I will preach now, we have not preached before anyway. <laughs> all right. The book of Proverbs chapter 4. Quickly, let us read that. There's something I want us to see there. Proverbs chapter 4. Is there that microphone available? Huh? Is it hot? Yeah. If it's quickly available, I want somebody to read it for us. I want somebody to read from verse 20. And you read um, to verse 23. Who is doing that for us? There's a hand up at the back. All right. We pull the mask down small. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. No, please, can I remain seated? Don't worry. You are using the mic, so it's all right. Proverbs 4.20. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Which version are you reading? New Living Translation. Okay, she's reading New Living Translation. All right, so that we will know. Go ahead. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. For they bring life and radiant health. To anyone who discovers their meaning. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. All right, praise the Lord. I just felt that somebody should read that for us. Now, if you read that verse 22, he said, There are life to those who find them and health to their whole body. The word health there, literally in Hebrew, means medicine. It means medicine. Today, I just feel like talking about this how to tap into that healing power. Okay? How to tap into the healing power of God. This, like I said, it's not the, uh, that's not the aim. I mean, that's not supposed to be the message for today. Just a short admonition, which I feel in this day and age. Because this is, you hear so much about deaths. You hear so much about um, sickness. It's as if, is it that my ears are just hearing them, or they're actually happening more than before? You understand? And I believe that it is it's a, one of the things, because if you remember, if you know history a bit, and you read some of these great men of those days, those are the things that prompted them to find the power of God. When plague was killing people in Australia, that was what pushed John Alexander Dowie to go and pray until he discovered the word of God. And after that, there was nobody, nobody in his congregation or anywhere that he prayed for that died from plague after he discovered the word of God. So sometimes these things, you know, they push us to wake us, you know, they wake us up to, um, let me say, to kindle our faith so we can tap into the power of God that is available. Now, why am I reading this again just to help us understand something? He said they are medicine to their whole body. 
medicine or health to their whole body. That is what the word of God is. But there is a prescription. I first learned this from the Prince many years ago. There is a prescription for this word to work in your life. I want to say something, first of all. The word of God works. It has life. In fact, I, I, let me withdraw the word, it works, as if it's something we just speak and rub and use. No. The word of God is life. It has life. You know, I can't imagine Jesus encountering anybody, speaking with the person, the person obeying his instructions, and the person leaves that place and is not healed. You know, I thought about it the other day. I said, Jesus, I can't imagine it ever happening. The word of God works. The word of God is life. It is life. It is life. If ever it appears like it's not working in our lives, the question is, what is the obstruction? Because he said it himself. He said, my hand is not shutting, so I cannot deliver. So you must understand, there has to be a reason why it appears like deliverance is not coming. You know, I was talking with Pascal this afternoon. You know, he called me about something, so we were talking. Then he said something and it struck me. Now, not, just, not because it's new, there was no, I mean, it's something that we both know. It was the way he coined it and brought it out, you know, to the fore. That I realized that he is something we must address. He was saying the other day that somebody told him that, ah, I've been diagnosed with a very serious ailment that we are going to be believing God for healing. He said, it escaped me. He said that. You know, that's what Pastor told me this afternoon. He said, it escaped me to ask, what exactly are you going to be doing? He said, what way are you going to go about it? He said, it escaped me to ask this person. Ah, he said, that was one mistake I made. The moment he said it, I knew what he was saying. I knew what he was saying. I remember when I went to preach in Lagos, you know, I told the story before, some time ago. I just talked about healing and the power of God and you know, try to encourage people to believe God. Because one of, sometimes one of the things that um, uh, happens with me in ministry is that when people find out that I'm naturally trained as a medical doctor, they expect some behavior and some you know, reasoning patterns. So when I start preaching and I go the other way, it normally... They will first wake up and say, ah, did you say this guy is a, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, but I always say that it's one of the things that God gave to me. And it's one of the ways he prepared me to be able to minister. Because anytime I talk, nobody ever thinks an ignorant man is talking. Nobody, nobody, nobody. One day a man came. <laughs> I like to tell you this story because it's a very foolish human being. He came, you know why I said it's a very foolish human being? It's one of our sisters he chased down here. And he's a married man. Oh, yes, that's why it is funny. Ah, if he's a single man, it's not a good thing. Hey, we'll welcome him, baptize him, and then join them, you know, if the Lord will agree that we don't have a problem with that. The issue is that the guy is a married man. The sister was working in a, in a particular hotel, you know, she was managing stuff. So he was a guest there, so saw her. Ah, fine girl, yeah, fine, you know. Now, no, the lady said, please, I beg, I go to church. Now the guy to pack bag, begin conscious. <laughs> Foolish human being, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the problem that he didn't tell me this ahead. I wish I had known. The way I would have answered him would have been different. Because that day he came, he sat down at the back looking lost. <laughs> and that day I have it was when I was teaching the Saints of God series. So one day that day we were talking about the fact that God wants us to prosper. Ah, he said these pastors have come. And because, of course, naturally he's older than I am, so he felt he could talk to me. So he asked for audience at the end. So <laughs> this is our sister came and said that, please, so this, there's this guy, 
came with me from work. So I just assumed his staff in their place as who wanted to hear the word. I didn't know it was a foolish man. <laughs> so he entered my office, sat down, and he began to critique my message. Yes. That the problem, you know, there's a disconnect with, you know, this disconnect. When, when, when we say that people should prosper, and then, you know, that he has a son. This man has a son that's a graduate. If you don't lose your eyes, <laughs> wondering at what the guy is up to. <laughs> and that, uh, you see, that they, you know, as if the guy, instead of him to get up and walk, he tell you that God, you know, he say, he kept on talking and turned this disconnect. So I looked at him and I said, excuse me, sir. And I got what he was trying to say, as if I'm telling people God wants them to prosper. So they will prosper, they will not walk. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, it's your first time here? He said, yes. I said, okay, so you don't know me? I said, everybody you see out there, they know me very well. I told him, I'm a medical doctor, I'm a consultant pathologist in the teaching hospital here. Do you know, I saw him faint. Then he woke up again. And what I've told you is not a joke. I saw the reaction. He was shocked. At that time, I was teaching in several universities. I told him where I, where I work. My wife came at a particular point in time and, came and went out. I said, that's my wife. I told him what she did. I said, everybody you see out there, they know us. I don't just teach, I lead by example. Look, the man was humble. He said, okay, that he's a lawyer. He said, uh-huh. oh, you're a lawyer. Thank you very much. You came here, you have never heard me preach. You're opening your mouth and yanking up a pata for me. That's nonsense in Delta. Lord <laughs> is good. I like that little story. He was humbled. Oh, he was humbled. Because initially I thought I was one of those pastors that's looking for how to collect money from young people. They will go out and go and hustle and come and give to me. I said, oh boy, relax. What do you know we don't know? Same thing when it comes to health matters. When I talk, sometimes people will be looking. Then when they get my credentials, they will, they will sit down. I'm like, no, sir. Okay, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I said, bros, let me tell you what you don't know. The other day I was talking to my mother-in-law. He said, doctor, say, did they fear? That they are afraid. He said, they will tell you to be all right. He said, but they know the truth. <laughs> that when it is their turn, they are never at peace. Because they know all the complications that can arise. That is a matter of fact. Now, back to what I say. So it's one of the things, okay, that God, you know, gave, gave to me to be sometimes to shock people to listen. Because some people are very full of their own knowledge. That's why I gave the story of that man. They are full of their own knowledge. But when they talk to me, they realize that, wait. If this man can believe this is, maybe, maybe there's something that we don't know. After all, in this field, he knows much more than we do, and he's still teaching spiritual things. You can read the story of Lillian B. Yeomans. It's a nice, if you can get her books, please read. Lillian B. Yeomans was a, was a doctor, Canadian-American, who in the course of her work, because of stress and all of that, she became addicted to drugs. And, of course, they tried everything. The addiction was killing her. So somebody, I think, I thought they gave her a Bible now. If I remember the story well, I mean, let me not mix the, up the story. Or she went to um, this man's uh, healing rooms in Chicago. What's his name? Alexander Dawid, that mentioned earlier, Australia, because he moved to America. Anyway, make a long story short. When she got there, the minister the word, the word of God to her for a week, and she was healed. Minister the word of God to her for a week, and she was totally healed. She went back and started preaching. She became a preacher. She became a healing minister, teaching the superior way 
to get people healed. She has been a doctor for maybe the last 20 years of her life until she encountered the power of God. So, this particular day, I went to this church in Lagos. I went to preach. So I spoke, I spoke at length, and they were so excited. In fact, it was a very interesting experience that day. When they finished the service, see how everybody crowded around me. Each, each person wanted a piece of me, wanted to touch the hem of my garment. <laughs> so this woman, one of the people, you know, these officials that were you know, handling me, you know, taking care of me and talking to me, she now said that she had the testimony. Now, this is what I'm telling you, her story. She said that there was a time she developed arthritis in her foot. So she went to the doctor. The doctor checked. Uh, she had pain in her foot. That's what she knows. She went to the doctor. The doctor checked everything. They did their tests and said she had arthritis. And the, the doctor gave her a prescription. She went back home. She's a very educated person. She did her research and realized something. Let me just tell you something. Many of the diseases that doctors treat, okay, they can't cure the diseases. So they say they control them. I'll give you a few examples. Hypertension is the best example. They don't cure hypertension, they control it. Glaucoma is another example. They control it. Another example is diabetes. Nobody cures diabetes. They are, it's controlled. Um, Parkinson's disease, they don't cure it. They control it. In fact, they did, they did those two words, contrasted themselves well in my heart. It was when we were on World Round when I was a student, and we're just talking, the, the, the consultant was talking, and said, we should be able to achieve a good control. And the man said, excuse me, I have a question. You know, at the end of the day, they asked any questions to, you know, to the patient. Is there anything you want to ask us? Because all the doctors were there, the students were there. The man said, yes, please. I noticed you use the word control. What is wrong with cure? <laughs> we got a lesson that day. Because our teacher turned to us and said, you see, you have to know your patients very well. This man is very educated. And he was listening to everything we were saying. He now turned back to the man and said, listen, sir, I'm sorry to let you know, we, are not, we can't cure you. This is not pneumonia. This is not malaria. <laughs> this is not uh, uh, ulcer. It's not. We have no cure to offer. The man had Parkinson's disease. That what we are going to try and do is to balance this and balance that so that you can live as normal a life as possible. That's what doctors do many times. And they don't hide it. They'll let you know, all right? So, when it comes to arthritis, usually that's what they do. There's no cure. Oh, no, the cure sometimes, <laughs> I remember one woman, I was, so, so we had a board, that's what they call a board, medical board, to check whether a patient, a, a, a worker can continue to work or they should retire the person with benefits. So I was on that board, and this woman came with two badly damaged knees. She could hardly walk. And when I was told she had done surgery on those knees, I felt like, I said, Madam, why did you bother? Or how bad were they before you went for the surgeries? I couldn't see the improvement. I'm sorry. And that was arthritis they were, teach, they were treating. Okay? Maybe for some people it comes out very good, but for her, the surgery didn't help her much. All right? She was really having a problem working. That's why the medical board was considered to examine her and see whether she could continue to work or they would retire her with her benefits. Now, so this particular case, the woman said she realized that she had arthritis and nobody was going to cure her. And they are going to put her on drugs and try and manage it. Uh-uh. So she asked herself, how long am I going to be taking medicine? So she decided to throw away the prescription and said, no, God has to take care of this for me. Now, why I remember her story was what she did. You know, Pastor Corey said, if I forgot to ask this person, what exactly are you planning to do? Because there is something, you know, many people say they are trusting God. They're not doing anything. 
They only if I perish, let me perish. And then they perish. And you know, that's what they said. If I perish, let me perish. I know we can get to that point. You say, okay, let me just perish. Let me live my life. I mean, let me live my death. You know what I'm trying to say is that. <laughs> I, know, I don't want to struggle again. And it happens. Okay, but at the beginning, they're not thinking like that. Here, they're not planning to do anything. Because of that thing, Pascal said this afternoon, we're talk- talking. And as I was about, as I was praying, I just came back, sat on my mind. And I felt like the Lord wanted us to know about it. So the woman, that woman, get back to my story. What did she do? She took a leave from work. She went on a retreat. She was telling me the testimony herself. And that she went to a particular Christian retreat center, either in Lagos or just close by Ogun, one of those places, states around. And then when she, that the plan was to stay there for a few days, pray, study the word of God. And those people, they have services. I don't know how many times a day. So the day she got there, of course, part of her routine was that she would attend their services. During the day, she would study her scriptures and pray. She had, a, she had something. She had something she was planning to do. She said the night she got there, that first evening service, as the pastor there was preaching, he gave a word of knowledge. There's a woman here. You have this particular pain in your foot. And the Lord said that she tell you you have been healed. First night. Now, for your information, the pain didn't go away. The Lord had just said she has been healed. She had planned for a few days. She stayed those days complete. She didn't say, I've had a word of knowledge. I'm going back home. She continued to pray, continued to meditate. She would join their services. But the first night she got that word of knowledge. So she knew that definitely God knows I'm here. God has a plan. He's already working. So, after a few, about three days or so, she, she's finished her retreat. And then she went back home and back to work. She said, Pastor, by the time I left, my foot was paining me as much as when I got there. But inside me, I knew that God was walking already. You know, there's one scripture we quote all the time. We say, life is walking. Why? Because it said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your mortal bodies. He said, even though the body is subject to death because of sin, yet the spirit will give it life because of righteousness. That's how we read that. Now, so the woman said to me that she went back home and just began to give the Lord thanks for her healing. She would just try her best to move around, you know, minimize the pain, just walk around the discomfort a bit, and went about her business every day giving the Lord thanks. She said to me that one day she realized that she had not felt the pain in days, and she couldn't remember which day. I don't know what I hear the point. She was just going about one day and realized that, wait, 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 excuse me. I used to have a particular problem in this in this food. She checked and couldn't remember the day it went away because she had forgotten. The, listen to me, the Lord caused her to forget. I don't think it's natural. I believe it's called, according to Paul, the peace of God which passes all understanding. It so calmed her mind, she forgot about the pain. She was going about her business. The Lord walked the healing. It took her some days before she remembered. Wait! What happened? I've not felt this pain in days. Can't tell the date left. She told me some months later, it returned. She went over the process again. And then it vanished. And by the time we're talking, she had not, I don't know how long before that, that that happened. She just gave me the testimony. It was the same time that woman came to me, the same, I mean, that very day, and said, sir, that thing you said, say, let me give you my own testimony. 
Then my family, I think I had four siblings or five, and two parents. They just say six, of course, six or seven, a family of six or seven. And now, she's not a small girl. She'll be in her 40s, okay? And she's, I think she says she's the youngest in the family of one of, or one of the youngest. But she has siblings in their 40s, maybe one in the 50s, and the parents were probably in their 60s and 70s. She said to me that, do you know I'm the only person that's not taking anti-hypertensives? I'm not taking any drug for hypertension. She said, everybody in my family, my father, my mother, brother, sister, all of them. So if you're talking about family history, like we always ask, I have it in abundance. He said, why not? Why don't I take it? He said, it's simple. I pray. He said, if I ever check my blood pressure and it goes up, I take time out to pray. I lay all my bodies before the Lord. I ask the Lord to search my heart. What is disturbing me? He said, by the time I'm done praying, it has gone down. He said, that's how I've maintained it all this while. Those, those testimonies that day, all right, they really, they, they, they blessed me. Because they just came because of the things I preached. That's why I told you the story. Said, ah, this doctor, this is you preach here. We have living testimonies, oh. That's why those two women came. We are living testimonies. And these are very well-to-do people. That's the place where I tell you I went to preach. Somebody was asking for counsel. We're talking about owing bank three billion. And I almost fell down. And like, what am I supposed to do? Which counsel do I give somebody on how to handle a bank and billions of naira? In my mind, I say, oh, what? People borrow that amount of money and they're still working about. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, so Solomon here said, attend to my words. He was prophesying. The Red priest said when he read this, he caused it God's medicine bottle. He had a chronic skin disease. And I think in, is it two months or so? I can't remember the exact length of time. Of feasting on the word every day after meals. That's what he did. Every time he would eat, he would bring out the Bible. Before that time, he has gone to the scriptures and underlined every scripture he, has, he saw on divine health. So he would take those scriptures and read through them. Every time he would eat. And he found out what doctors had declared incurable. It was cured in a matter of weeks. What am I trying to say? You know, we keep on saying pay attention. What I want to add to you today, we should have, I mean, if you have a health challenge, you have a matter, and it's not only health, I hope you understand. Financial issue, it handles it. Family troubles, it handles it. But what happens a lot of times is that we just assume that something will just happen. We don't take time out to deliberately infuse life into the situation. Solomon said, attend to my words. I mean, I like that, you know, that there's one particular one we'll read. Let's quickly read this book of John. Again, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he says, so must the son of man be lifted up so that whosoever believes in him, John chapter 3. He was talking with Moses, uh, with Nicodemus. I'm just looking for a place to start reading. Let me just take you, let me just take from somewhere, right? From verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. And you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Now, and I want us to look at how Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness. Because, you know, the word faith is something of, of believing, is something that people often misunderstand. Let's quickly read it, um, Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. Here we see Jesus Christ telling us that there's a way Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And then there's a way people believed in that serpent. And so whoever believes... We have been told many times, faith, believing, of course, is action. That is, now it doesn't mean that you must go and, um, people sometimes, I don't want to be mechanical about that believing thing. But if you are really believing, it's an active process. That's what I want to emphasize. If you are really believing, it is an active process. Even if you are lying down doing nothing, there is a spiritual activity taking place in your heart at each moment in time. That's what it means to believe. If you are really believing, it's an active process. Now, for those who may have forgotten the story, you can go and read it. The people murmured against Moses, and they murmured against God. So the Lord sent serpents, dangerous serpents, amongst the people, and they beat the people so that many of them died. So the people came to Moses, and they confessed their sins. They said, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and against you intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for those people, and the Lord gave instructions for Moses, all right, as a sign of his mercy that he has for them. He told Moses to make that kind of serpent, put it on a pole, and then put it in the middle of the camp. And he said, to come about that whoever is beaten, when he looks at it, he will live. Now Moses, the Bible says in verse 9, made a bronze serpent and set it on a standard that is a pole, like a flag. And it came about that if a man, if a serpent beat any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, this was what Jesus was talking about. When he said that people will have eternal life, he said they had to look at that bronze serpent, and Jesus will be the bronze serpent. But there's something Amplified Bible showed us here when he used the word look. Because how do you tap life out of that bronze serpent? Amplified Bible explains something to us quickly. Let me read that one to us from the Amplified Bible. It said, this is how the looking will be. That's the verse, um, which verse now? Nine, thank you. It said, and Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had beaten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. It, was just, it wasn't just to glance at that serpent. I want you to understand. And that is why, you know, sometimes people talk about once saved, always saved. I say you don't read your Bible well. Okay, once saved, I agree with you. But when is this person really saved? Is it when he answered the altar call? Don't be fooled. Many people answered altar calls and they left. And they went back. I mean, we witnessed this again and again. And they went back to their normal lives. They are not saved. Listen, let's not deceive ourselves. They are not saved. 
There are the people that they said, the Bible said that, you know, they heard the word and they sprang up quickly, but had no deepness of earth. There was no depth in it. Don't fool them that they are saved. One of the things I've realized is if anybody comes to me now, the people will come and say, this is my problem. I say, oh, but you know the truth? You didn't give your life to Christ. Because many times people come give their lives to Christ, supposedly. They came for the altar and then they start following them up. Now, follow-up is good. But there's one danger in follow-up. Everybody likes attention. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Everybody likes attention. After, if I don't have friends, I'm supposed to think about it. All right? I come to your church, you do a crusade. I wrote my name down that I gave my life to Christ. Or that I'm a first-timer. And you start coming to visit me. How are you doing? Well, then one day you come, with, you, you, you saw that I wasn't feeling well. And you brought fruits to help me recover. What am I going to say? These people are nice people. I will join you because you are nice. I'm not giving my life to Christ. But you won't know. How will you know now? You are counting church members. That is why, listen, apart, listen, I believe very strongly, all right, now more than ever before. I now know why Jesus said people should be baptized. That's one place you don't go and joke. You can come to church for years and you'll be joking. When they drag you to a river, there's no joke there. Especially Okemute's river. That one has crocodile. You will know whether you want to be baptized or not. I don't want to get stuck on that salvation issue now. But many people go to church, they know the truth, they are not saved. You see, let me tell you something about human beings, okay? There are people who go to church because they know one day they will die and they need to be buried. They are preparing for burial. It is absolutely true. We are what they call social animals. Look, the way to kill somebody and run him mental, put him in isolation. You know, I saw yesterday, was it yesterday or two days ago, I was watching one of these national news networks, and they were showing one Hong Kong company that's making a particular robot. That robot is a real humanoid robot. It's a female. She talks. She makes faces. She will turn. Her mouth moves when she's speaking. They said they are planning to mass produce it this year. Do you know why? Because of coronavirus isolation. So that people who are isolated, you, you take one, one robot to be existing with you. I've forgotten the name of the robot. Let's assume the name is Hannah. It's a female name. You cross like say, Hannah, how today now? Hannah, say, bro, say, we do. <laughs> I was watching it. They said that human beings require company. And look, you, you were born like that, too. They noticed, this. what I'm telling you is a matter of fact. Babies, you know, premature babies and all of that, Okay. The ones that are not, maybe sometimes they, miss, they say because of space, you put babies together. They are very small. If you have seen pretend babies, they can really be small. So they put them in a cot that's meant for one baby. But because they are small, they just put two of them. Those ones tend to survive more than the ones that are not alone in their cots. Just by touching another baby. When they kick each other small, they kick themselves into life. I heard a story long ago somewhere in Europe, Eastern Europe of um, an orphanage where on a particular floor, one woman who was supposed to be a cleaner wouldn't do her work. But before they fired her, they found out what was happening. She spent all her time taking care of the little children, the little babies. That particular floor, the children, the babies, they did well. They, there's what we call thriving. They thrived. That is, they gained weight. They grew. They developed mentally. 
On another floor where the cleaners did their jobs, the babies were dying because they were not being touched. This other one will carry the babies and sing for them. That touch is known. What I'm telling you, you can go and investigate it. It's known for helping babies live. When I was a medical student, they kept mothers away when they wanted to not sick, sick babies. Years later, they said, no, no, bring the mothers and sit beside the baby. Carry. Suckle if you can. If the baby can suck, please go ahead and do it. They found that the babies did better. One reason is that we are created to interact. Many people go to church for that purpose. It's not about Jesus Christ. It's where the crowd is. And that's why a lot of big churches get bigger. Because people like the... So when did you, ah, how many are there? 1,000. Let's go there. And that's the reason why a lot of people come to church, I'm sorry to say, and they are not saved. You saw their name in a decision slip. They are not saved. You follow them up. They enjoyed your attention. You were nice to them. And think about it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody, no, in Nigeria, we, we, don't, we, we don't know anything. You know, you, call, you, 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 you know you have a right to disturb your neighbor in Nigeria. It's an African thing. May God not take it away from us. <laughs> you can just knock on your neighbor's... Uh, ah, okay, I bet. No vex. You get salt. <laughs> and you know, he doesn't think anything of it. He just goes and brings his salt. I don't know how I work with you. You know, I just greet each other. Okay, now they drive past every day when I see you for you. He said, me. okay, God bless you, oh, madam. They, 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 and the children, they travel. Okay, thank you very much. God bless you. And you go back. And then you carry all your friends in front of the yard. Now you go, they make noise. Why is, you, you party and don't even invite them. What was your own? <laughs> and they don't, they don't talk. Go to America. Try it first. Look, nobody cares about anybody. I have seen them react to a little attention. That is small attention. Somebody just comes and knocks. I've not seen you outside for three days. I hope you are fine. They think you are God. Oh, first, you notice that I've not come out for three days. And you left your apartment, came to knock to check whether I'm fine. Ha! Huh? Well, a woman can marry you like that. <laughs> the Lord is good. The what I'm telling you is a matter of fact. So that's why so many times in churches, people come, they are not saved. Pastors, please, you need to preach salvation to people. You have to let them understand, church is not about the socials. It's not about who will wed you. It's not about who will bury you if you died. It's not about who are the friends that will be around you when you are sick. It's first and foremost about giving your life to Christ Jesus. That is the first thing about church. It's about giving your life to Christ. You know, it's a digression I took, talking about this salvation matter. All right? But how do people get saved? That's the point I'm making. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that is how they gain eternal life. And you must understand, eternal life is not just about living forever. Eternal life is the healing, is the power of God that heals the body. It's the power of God that rearranges the mind. Eternal life is the power of God that helps you to prosper in whatever you are doing. Is how do they get life? He said, they look up at the serpent attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. We're talking about the power of God for healing, so let me not leave that, okay? Now, so when we say we are believing God, Pastor Corey said, I forgot to ask this person, 
how are you planning to believe God? Because you can see here, John said, whosoever believes, he said, how do they believe? Is they look up at the serpent. And uh, uh, Amplified is telling us from that numbers that how do they look up at the serpent so that they can truly be believing? He said they will look attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. So when that man of God said, asked that question, said he forgot to ask. He was saying, how will you do this? You can't say, I'm sick. Doctor says this is incurable. I will not take their medicine and I will go about life like nothing is happening. Bros, you are sick. You will not take their medicine, but it's another medicine to take. And you must take it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Many who don't take the medicine, they're not taking it. They're just waiting for something to happen out of the blues. They are not taking the medicine. They are not taking it. He said, do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But what? Be filled with the spirit. You are that filled with medical medicine. Do you get my point? Or you are filled with spiritual medicine. That's what I mean. That's why I quoted that. He said, do not be drunk with wine. That is physical. That is natural. If you're not going to be drunk with wine, you have to be drunk with something. And that's why people don't understand it. Like, in this life, you must drink something. Oh, you must drink something. You must drink something. You, you know, you know so, just by the way. You cannot lead people in righteousness by don't, 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 don't. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's not good. You are going to frustrate them. You know why? Because there are so many. God has put some things inside us naturally. He's put some wants to do. <laughs> it's that you tell small, young, people, young teenagers not to play. Yeah, we care so. You know, there are churches that teenagers, are, they, can't, they can't play. They can only pray. That's not the will of God. Teenagers must play. What to just do is attend and listen. Let's see righteous play. There's a way unbelievers do their parties. You will do, you will do your own party. But let me show you how Christians do parties. They should dance. They should do, you know, this uh, choreography. Five people will dance synchronous. Jump. Use your head to roll on the ground. It's, not, it's the will of God. You understand? Those who, you know, I grew up in the days of breakdance. I think the greatest dance this world has ever seen is breakdance. Breakdance was not dance, it was acrobatics. There's one guy that I think was from, was it a, was he on Nature Oimu? The guy was a trader. That guy, he was the one that used to win the Nigerian one. When he was now going for the international competition, he said, look, you are going for international competition. How do you tend to compete with Oyimbo people who invented the dance, these Americans? He said, I have some styles that I have not yet used. <laughs> <laughs> the guy said, no, that, that, we should leave that. <laughs> and when you see him dance, oh boy, the guy is a dance. <laughs> Break dance. So young people, they have to dance. So I tell pastors, please, you pastor a church, I arrange for them to dance. Then they come and dance on Sunday. Come during the week to practice while we are watching you. Before you start the practice, 10 minutes prayer. 45 minutes sharing of the word. They can dance for two hours. Dance for three hours. Our own focus is that prayer and sharing of the word. Yes, now. And you are dancing under our nose. We can see you. You fly into the air. Before your head hits the ground, the angel will catch you. Balance you there. You know, go die. But we'll let <laughs> the Lord is good. 
Back to what I was trying to say. So, you see, God, that's why he does us. He doesn't just tell us, don't do this. He tells you what to do. Do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, dissipation. But instead of that, you have to be drunk with something. People say, don't be drunk with wine, and they leave you there. Then what, when you want to feel happy, what will you do now? Because we must feel happy. You know why people drink wine? Because they want to feel happy. They want to forget their sorrows. They want to join with the people and not have to worry about the one way madame do this, the one way madame not do. The one, the, the, the children say they are going to school tomorrow, and they, they have to pay fees, and they are going to next week, they have to buy clothes. Listen, the guy not get money. So you know what he will do? Drink away the sorrows. You just go deceive with the guys. Oh boy, did you watch that match? <clears throat> Rooney, they play. Rooney, they play. I don't know. <laughs> no. I'm not a football person. It's no longer playing. It's coaching. Ah, okay, sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> they don't, they just to forget the sorrows. They will not come back and say, one mother will not say, where have you been? I went to forget my sorrow. We Christians, sometimes we get to that point also. We also need money, and we don't have. So we also have to drink. Don't tell me not to drink. It's what I should drink that you should be telling me. I hope you're getting my point. If I cannot go to the joint and drink beer with the guys, they have to go to church and drink prayer and thanksgiving, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. I have to know how to lay my burdens, casting them upon the Lord, for he cares for me. Otherwise, I will go mental. I will go mental. No, I will. The pressures of life will drive me mad. So a lot of we don't know. There's a reason people drink. Give them the substitute for the drink. Which is what? The word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Lord is good. We're talking about tapping the power of divine health. If I'm not going to be filled with Panadol and potent cytotoxic agents, do not be, let's take that one for wine, then I have to be filled with what? The spirit. When somebody is taking medicine, he takes it. He swallows it. It is pushed into him through different ways. The most potent way is through injection. But he has to be filled with the medicine. So when he says, I'm not taking that one, the question is, which one are you taking? How are you taking it? How well are you taking it? How intensely are you taking it? He said, if you are going to be saved, you will look at that word, that Christ on the cross, you will look at him attentively, expectantly, with a steady and Absorbing gaze. This is the recommendation. You know, when Pastor Chris said, I forgot to ask, this is the kind of answer he expected to hear. And this is the kind of recommendation we are giving under such circumstances. You say, This is how I want to believe God. I am going to take a retreat in the first two weeks. My plan is to pray from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., declaring the scriptures. I have collected, you know, you know, this man's messages in healing, they are powerful. Kenneth Higgins, as an example, or, or Corey Blake, all those men I have collected 
I've, I have a compilation of about 100 of them. I intend to listen to three every day. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at night. Then I'll sleep and take my rest during the night. I intend to do this every day for the first two weeks. As I'm listening, I'll be writing down the confessions of the word of God that I'll be declaring every day. I'll be examining my life. I need to examine my life. You know, I have this set of messages that Kenneth Hagin preached to ministers on divine healing. And, you know, I felt a bit um, bad when I listened to those messages for one simple reason, that he said some of these things we can't preach, and you pastors have to preach it. I said, oh, God, no, you should have preached the whole thing. When you hear him all the time saying, declare like this, speak like this, talk like this, he said, you know the truth? Many people will get nothing out of those things. He said it. He said, do you know why? Because there are other reasons why people are sick and why people die. He said, one of the things you pastors have to teach your congregation is how to examine themselves. And I felt like, saying, sir, why didn't you blow this one up? And it's all of our scriptures like that. After all, him in his personal life, God told him you will have died at the age of 57 if you didn't start prophesying. If all you did was teach because I called you to be a prophet and a teacher, you have stopped prophesying. And listen, you know the truth? <laughs> I want to explain over the last few weeks. Eh? Yesterday, I was just telling my wife, I said, over the last two days, I said, now, wow. It is so easy, if you're not careful, to neglect the work God has given you. You can I sat down, I opened my computer, I showed him the number of books I have finished. Some of them finished 15 years ago, not yet published. Oh, the book Grace to Live By is as big as How to Work for God, or almost. I finished it at least 15 years ago. I showed him half completed books. I showed him half finished. I, just, I was just showing him on the computer. I said, this one, Unsearchable Riches. I said, the first book I wrote when I came to Enugu. It's a systematic study of scriptures, full with the ref- fill of with references. That book is almost as big, if not as big, as How to Work for God. I finished that one. I wrote um, Grace to Live By, a book of like 17 chapters. I said, how did I just abandon these things here? These two I've told you, they are finished. Too. I'm not saying that, let me just go and finish them. They are finished, complete. These two finished at least, if I'm mistaken, both of them were complete 12 years ago. But I think it's more like 15 years ago. Because I, began, I wrote um, um, Unsearchable Riches in my first year in Enugu. And I came to Enugu in the year 2000. You know what Ken Hagin said? One day the Lord appeared to him and said, What are you going to do about the ministry I gave you about healing? I put, anointing I said I put in your hand 10 years ago. You didn't hear what I said? How many years ago? And I looked at the Lord like, I wasn't planning to do anything about it. And the Lord looked at him and said, you are going to have to, or else. He said, I believe I will. He said, do you know what? I have fallen into his else's a number of times. When I hear some of this word of faith, that God doesn't punish, but I say, he says the devil. I said, look, I have seen him punish people who are preaching that message. He said, he fell and broke his arm, and the Lord said to him, if you didn't break your hand, we wouldn't have had this conversation. If we did not have this conversation, you would not have retraced your steps and changed your ways. I sent you to prophesy. You have stopped prophesying for a number of reasons you did. You started teaching alone. You would not have lived beyond the age of 57. Listen, at the age of 57, he would have prayed and prayed and prayed. He would have fallen sick. He would not have gotten well. 
So I died at the age of 88. So what will I do? My prescription. One of them is examine myself. I will pretty, how do I examine myself is again, you know you can't examine yourself actually. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals. He says, search me, O Lord. Say, I will pray this prayer for Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And these are prayers you repeat maybe three times a day. And when you do, you'll be quiet. One of our brothers said the other day that he was just with your testi- beautiful testimony. He said his heart failed, basically. He realized that he couldn't walk for 15 meters without sitting down. He would be short of breath. He went to the doctor. The doctor told him that, listen, you have a heart condition. When he told I said, this man was in heart failure. So he went and prayed. He said, the doctor, thank you. He went to him. He said, I have to get healed. He went to pray. So he prayed and prayed. And nothing was happening. He said, Lord, what is happening? He said, the Lord said, you are in strife. He said, me in strife with whom? Then the picture came to his mind. He remembered a man that did something against him a few weeks before that. So he forgave the person and began to pray for the individual. After I was done with that, he came back to preach, to be confessing the word. Make a long story short. He went through that struggle for two weeks. It was the third week that his strength came back. He said, now I jog. He prayed heart failure out of his life in his house. Took him three weeks. What's the prescription? I would examine myself because I know. He said, let me give you an example. He said, when people don't rightfully descend the body, he said, for this reason, many of you are sick and many sleep that this many die. When they partake in the communion unworthily. So there are two things there. The way you participate in the communion. Now, communion table therefore means that there is healing power when we share the bread and the wine. One of the things this brother said he used to do was to take communion regularly. Because with that, you are declaring the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. I'm talking about deliberately taking the medicine. Many people don't. We are believing God. How? You are seeing there's a how to believe in God now. There is a how. Because we are looking at the serpent. Like I've said many times, if somebody wants to say, where is the serpent that Moses said he made here? He says, yeah. Where is it? Is that one? Okay, let's go. Will he be saved? He will die. The serpent's no venom will kill him. He's supposed to sit down there. You know the truth? You don't take a glance at that serpent and go home. You stare at it until you get healed. <laughs> Do you understand? It's not as if where's the serpent? Okay, fine serpent. Ah, is it Bezalel that helped him make it? Because he looks like Bezalel had walk. Good serpent. I don't look at Mogo. No. What do you do? You get a chair where you can see the serpent. You sit down there, open your eyes. I like the way we say it in Nigeria. Shine your eye. You shine your eye well, well. Look your front. Look out well, well. You look at the serpent. One woman, one man, sorry. Was it? Okay, sorry. Now I'm confused. I'm confusing myself. But one man or woman wrote an article on how a blind man taught him or her how to see. He went for an opera. Is it opera? This is what the people sing and all of that. And sat, either he or she, sat beside this blind man. And he was wondering, what is this blind man doing here? There was a show. 
How do you come for it? She wasn't just singing, you know, there's drama, everything with it. <laughs> so the blind man just talked to the person, this individual said, please, you are going to help me. How? So I can enjoy the show. The guy said, no problem. So when maybe the artist will come on stage, you ask, how many are they? The man had never bothered before in his life to count those things. He look and say, okay, there are five men and five women. He said, good. What are they wearing? Ah. The guy will look again. The men are wearing suits. The women are wearing this kind of gown. Are they uniform or they are different? So the man asked him as far as what colors are the fingernails of the women painted. So that's why I wrote the article. I didn't that just long ago. The blind man who helped me to see. He has been coming for those shows. He never noticed those things. He had two eyes. He didn't use them for anything. Only use the eyes to navigate. <laughs> Entrance are going out. He said this was this blind man. Because the blind man in his mind is painting the thing. No, he's drawing it. He's drawing it. So he's getting details from him. Okay, we, we, how are they seated? What kind of furniture is there? You know, he said, okay, are they, are they ornate furniture? This kind of furniture? This one shaped like this? The guy would describe. So by the time they were finished, he respected that blind man and thanked him for the experience. That for the first time in my life, I'm learning to see. What am I saying? I want to contemplate that serpent. You use that blind man's experience. Say, what is the length? I said, Moses, make this one six feet, three inches. No, I'm not sure. It's six feet, 2.5 inches. Good. This, the, this, the, the bronze, is it burnished? Does it have lines on it? Did you put eyes on that serpent? Fangs, they there. You keep looking. Find something to examine in it. Find something. Find something. You know? That was my, my initial, you know, the seeds we've been on, what I've been teaching about the power of God and all of that. I'm going to talk about the knowledge of God. Because one day I sat, I said, Banky, you're teaching about the knowledge of God. What are people supposed to know about God? I said, ah, everything available to be known. Which, of course, there are millions of things. Things as simple as his creator. He has abundant mercy. He's slow to anger. Listen, except you know a character of God. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Except you know a character of God, your faith in that area is weak. You are pretending. If you don't know what God has said about provisions and how that is the fact that He provides, pray from now till tomorrow that God should provide for you. You're wasting time. You have no faith. You're just desperate. People equate desperation with faith, they are not the same thing. God, you will help me. 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 God says, you see, you don't say a very foolish boy. Last week, I saw you in the office arguing. Heaven helps those who help themselves. <laughs> and you have not repented. You, you, you know, people don't understand something about repentance. Listen to me. Let me tell you another thing. Maybe me don't know. There is no faith possible except there's repentance in the heart. When they tell that people can be saved without repentance, is a lie. Paul, if I start again, eh, I'll go there. God told him to go and preach the repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how people get saved. So God said, God, you will help me. You will help me. In the name of Jesus, help me. God said, hey, 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 this boy, 
Come, let me show you the video. I recorded that your own that day. Look at the way you spent 40 minutes arguing. Do you know, this morning, yesterday night, or is it this morning I woke up? No, no it was this morning around 4 a.m. I wanted to pray. Now I vex, I come vex. I don't know how I go carry that phone. I think I won't read Bible, pray. Now I can't see message. I was so angry. Somebody wrote something about how Israel, even though they are the people of God, they wake up and walk and look at how they did it and did and then, and they defended that Nigeria should stop praying. All we like to do is pray. If you see the way I vex, but one guy said, Pastor is back. <laughs> because of my vexation, he said, oh, Pastor, welcome back. Because I told the fellow, I said, what is wrong with you? I said, you would just like to bash religion. He forwarded it, he didn't write it. I said, why do you like to bash religion and Christianity, you understand? To score cheap literary points. I said, it's cheap literary points. I said, where did you ever see Nigeria and say, we are not walking again, we are praying? I said, where? Where? I said, you that's talking that for this rubbish. I, I saw that. I said, this is absolute nonsense. Total rubbish. I said, you that forwarded it. Are you not a Nigerian? This guy was a Christian. We were school together. I said, don't you pray. Don't you walk. There are literally two things we say. Tomorrow you say, God help me because I'm not helping you. I saw you yesterday insulting me anyhow. Telling people that the reason they should get up and help themselves, stop waiting for heaven to help them. If you ever say like that, when you need help, God will say, ah, help yourself, bros. God will carry you, sit down. He said, angel, sit down. The guy doesn't need help. It was in his office that they arguing that the problem with Nigeria is that they have not gathered to help themselves. The day a man said, I helped myself, I built Babylon, God ran him, ran him mental. Let me just tell you, nations are blessed or cursed by God. If he doesn't grant peace, nobody can have peace. Talking about our brothers yesterday, he said, it takes so little to destroy the earth. To, to punish people. Texas, how many of if you have been watching Texas story, eh? I, I, I told people, I said, this world is upside down. Otherwise, why would Texas be colder than Alaska? Portions of Texas currently are colder than Alaska. Do you know what they call Alaska? Alaska is just under the North Pole. <laughs> Alaska is after Canada. It's part of America, but it's not part of, you know, it's not directly. You have the U.S., you have Canada, then you now have Alaska on the left. And I saw people keen to, to fetch water. They even put generator outside. Charge your phone, three dollars. I called my friend. I said, "Go how far?" He said, "No, we are, we are very good. We have only lost two hours of power." I said, "Bros, you know, say you be, you be Nigerian guy." Oh. I said, "You're Nigerian, no?" He said, "I said, off to Walmart, buy your three kVA generator." He said, "Banky, I'm going to buy." <laughs> I said, "Everything, everything has an advantage. Oh. All the Nigerian guys, nothing." And they said, "Go for it. We go put Jerican for boots. Is it today?" <laughs> You will just drive <laughs> when you find your put on for put go house. Ah, I'm it's just because we are in America. Fifteen years ago, we know where we were. <laughs> I said, for those people who were born and bred in America, the white guys go look. Say, this is the end of the world. Pastor, I've been talking about. After coronavirus, now no water, no light in in, in Texas. Some people have not had light for three days, and they're not going to have tomorrow. 
No, the pipe, the pipelines. They, I mean, I, I saw one video. See pipelines inside, you know, decking. You know, the one they run through the buildings, burst because the water froze in them, and they didn't design them to for frozen water. Bam! Pipe burst. Water ran through it. The water can't freeze again. You see water, icicles, icicles dropping from the roof. Who could have predicted that? Who could have controlled it? People don't understand God. God said if they gather, they said it gets sense, have If I'm angry with them, I will scatter it. He said they will look for much. They will struggle, work hard. It will come to what? Little. He said that little, when they bring it home, I put holes in their pockets. May God not turn his head, eyes against you. We tell him, say, what we need in Nigeria is leaders that leaders are confused. You think, look, you think President Buhari, he, he, let me tell you the truth, you may not believe it, he's trying his best. You can abuse the chief of army staff. You know why he rewarded them with ambassadorial positions? He saw them walk till they almost died. You think it's, people say, eh, it is because it's a lie. He's looked at these people. These people have walked from the bottom of their hearts. They're almost dead. Let somebody else do the job now. But you no know, negative-minded people. Eh, why should you reward them? After all, bandits. America has been in Afghanistan for how many years? They are frustrated. Do you know? America is, number one, is the world's number one military power. I hope you know that. They have drones. All kinds of drones. They have spy satellites. How many nations on the earth have spy satellites? They have informers on ground. They can hack into any network to see who's talking to who. Yet, they looked for Osama bin Laden for how many years they couldn't find him. They finally found him, of course, under Obama. It, it, you, you think, because you're, you're America, you're like this, you don't find anything. They are negoti- now they are back to negotiating with the Taliban's in Afghanistan. So you think, those, in case you don't know, is that same spirit, ISIS, Islamic State in the West African province, Boko Haram, is the same spirit. When that same spirit is stirred up against you, go and fight them now. If you like, sit down there, be blaming Nigeria army. Get on your knees and pray for them. I remember one military man that was delivered from a, a terrorist, you know, the ambush in, in Meduguri. When it was, I still have the testimony on my phone. He knelt down and said, please, I'm begging Christians. Pray for the soldiers. Because when his commanding officer saw his car, in his jeep, he said, you were inside here? He said, yes, sir. The man said, it's not possible. When they ambushed them, blew everything to pieces, riddled his jeep with bullets. His commanding officer looked at the line, of, the line on the side of the jeep. and said, you are telling me you are sitting inside here? He said, yes, sir. Ah. The Augusta is not possible. I don't know how you got out of here. I don't know. He gave testimony in church. He now got on his knees and said, please, pray for the soldiers. Please, pray for them. Well, sit down here and be picking your nose. Now you are literally not doing anything. The bandits are running this country over. Better pray to God that we drive them back. Because if God does not grant peace, there is no military that can give it to you. 
People will go to their offices, be talking nonsense with their mouth. Then when they now have problems, they now say, God help me. God say, help you? God say, carry chair. Sit down. Everyone helps those who help themselves. Go and help yourself first. That is all this nonsense you have been talking about. Yeah, you don't know. Listen, be careful. Many of us undermine our faith. Faith is not, listen, let me tell you something to you. Faith is not how you feel. Though. See, I just feel so strong in my spirit. As I was praying that prayer, I just knew that heaven was here. <laughs> you can be deceived and not know it. You want to know where faith is exercised? When you are discussing, those who fear the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord heard. That's when that that in the office we say that eh, you know America is prospering because people know how to arrange. You say no, 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 no. Say to them, God has determined the times and seasons of these nations. I like the amplify. Say, say, sorry, New Living Translation. When they will rise and when they will fall. Say, it's a gift of God. Don't you know what He said to Nebuchadnezzar? Say, listen. Let's keep on praying for our country. We'll be doing our best, but let's pray. It's the favor of God we need. You say that subtly, gently, in a simple discussion in the office. You are building up what? Your faith. What am I saying? Part of the prescription. I will examine myself. I will repent. Listen, repentance is part of faith. I will repent of neglecting my work, my ministry. I will repent of neglecting to feed on the word of God. Hey, that is the number. Hey, that is the number one sin of Christians. In fact, most other sins they commit is because of this number one. They don't feed on the word. Like somebody said that most people feed themselves three hot meals every day. Their body, their spirit. One cold snack a week. Sunday service. Especially when it's a Lagos church. Apostle. <laughs> Lagos guys, are not vexed. So. But now, now they do one hour, 15 minutes, four services. One hour, 15 minutes. You know the announcement day inside? Praise and worship day inside. Testimony day inside. Drama sometimes, thank you. One hour, 15 minutes. Everything like production online. Henry Ford. <laughs> Pastor's message is supposed to be 25 and a half minutes. The guy preaches like a robot. No matter what he's saying, at the end of 25 and a half minutes, he closes the Bible. Let us pray. Holy Spirit said, I didn't finish that. Holy Spirit, please, after saying second service, let us pray. So please, Lagos, men are not vexed. So. We don't do it in Enugu. Is any church like that in Enugu? No, you can't come here. We bind you. <laughs> you remember the one our brother said, we have five churches using one building on Sunday. Holy Spirit, better don't move. <laughs> Yo, you hired it from 7 to, to, to 8.35. And that's the church some people go to. As the only time they listen to the preaching of the word, and the whole week. The rest of the week they are busy. That is the number one sin of Christians. That is the number one sin of Christians. I like the Anglicans to say there is sin of omission and there is sin of what? Commission. But I hope you know sin and sin. Do you know there's also a sin called ignorance? 
The servant that knows what to do and does not do it, we beat him with what? Many stripes. The one that does not know what to do and therefore doesn't do it, we beat him with what? Few stripes. He will still be beaten. There's nothing like, oh, you did not know, stay on this side. No. The man that knew and did not do, ten strokes. The one that did not know, two. Say, so why should you not know? For not knowing, two strokes. Listen, the number one sin of Christians is the neglect of the word of God. Meanwhile, it's been spoken to them directly. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I talked about every word. The other, okay, no, sorry, I didn't preach about it here. I was writing about it in the book. My book, um, there's a little book we have. It should be coming out by next, uh, well, it will hit the press sometime next month. It's titled, um, We Walk by Faith. I'm just finishing it about now. We walk by faith. I say it's every word. Not the word you like. It's every word. It's a word of blessing and the word of sacrifice. Every word. But let me not start preaching that one. I to carry me away. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But you know what we do? We hustle for bread morning, afternoon, and night. And neglect the word. We are, we are master neglectors. I hope that English is correct. That is the number one sin of every... Listen, I can say this to you clearly, confidently. It's the number one reason Christians are sick. It's the neglect of the word. Where would the life come from? No, where will it come from? Is it the social service, uh, social gathering you do on Sundays? You know, pastor, a lot of pastors, they are wicked souls. I'm sorry to say, if you're a pastor, I'm talking to you. A lot of pastors are wicked. No, they call wicked. Let me just tell you, eh? Listen, there's, there's no need to be nice. Let me just tell you. God didn't born you and commit you to one denomination. If the pastor decrease, waka. Let me speak English. If the pastor is behaving abnormally, get out. It's your destiny we are talking about. Once we start seeing the pastor that, because one day, one of our sisters, big woman, her pastor came to her, because she's senior, she's a senior person. He said, mommy, please pray for me. He said, be praying for me. I want to say, what's happen? He said, because I don't know when God is going to angry, I don't know when God is going to get angry and destroy me. I need your prayer. He said, this last Sunday, I prayed the week Saturday, I had the word from God that I was on the preach on Sunday. He said, but Sunday night, I got a signal from headquarters how much I should remit at the end of service on Sunday. Pentecostal church. If I mention the name here, only the dead people here will know the church. And there's no dead person here. He said, that was why I now went to church on Sunday. He said, that one you saw me preach, ma." was not the word of God. I know it. The Holy Spirit knows it. God knows it. The devil, everybody knows it. Apart from the people who are here, and I'm, I'm adding this portion to it now. The people that don't know that what he's saying is not the word of God, they are the congregation. Wickedness. Wickedness. If you're a pastor, you're listening to me, that is wickedness. They don't, don't say a senior pastor that sent you. You will be punished. Your senior pastor will survive. Uh, old prophet, did they, did they agree that? 
guy, he confessed to him. He said, please pray for me. I think I'm in trouble. That God, he said, right now, God must be angry with me. A lot of people, that's the, that, do you know, that's the, that is the condition they have to endure every Sunday. And they are still sitting down there like idiots. You do that to me three consecutive Sundays. I walk out on you. I will walk out on you. Thank God he, gave, he has given me discernment from experience. I, I, I will know now. I will just be looking at you like this. So as I was coming here today, the Lord began to say to me that there is a special blessing I'll package for some people. There's a way they'll be turning your leg, I know. I know, I, I possibly, we know the leg turning thing now. Just know, you know, you know, you know iniquity is boiling. He wants to collect my money. I don't have any problem with collecting my money. There are three ways to collect my money. One, beg for it. Two, bring a gun. Those first two are preferable to this one you are using. If you bring a gun, I give it to you. Go away. If you beg for it, I mean, I get blessed. But when you twist the word of God for it, you are not blessed. I am not blessed. And there's a reason why God teaches us to number. Number. You don't only number our days, you number our hours. 24 hours is all I have for that day. That service, it is three hours. It's supposed to be one and a half hours of teaching. You now use that one and a half hours to lie. You're a wicked soul. I'm saying this so that pastors can hear it. There are so many of them wicked. Wicked human beings. They say they are in ministry. People come on Sunday. They open their hearts to you. Oh my father, how bad can this thing be? People open their hearts to you. Say, bless me. Then you start lying to them. You start saying things that you are not convinced is the word of God. Don't you think, if you were God, wouldn't you punish you? No, think about it. There's a reason why people are called sheep. They need guidance. God sent them to you. Then you say another man said no. Raise me money. Apostle, people are wicked though. Listen to me, pastor, if you don't know, it's sheer wickedness. It's sheer wickedness. You should know that this one and a half hours should save a life. One of those multitudes in front of you will die next week. This is the only chance for salvation. The death is irrevocable. This is the only chance for salvation. If you only you will just preach this word. If you want to beg for money after service, stay there. Say, guys, I beg. I don't die. Money. I need money. Stay at the door. So, bros, I beg. If you may find me five thousand there. Say, Pastor, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. What you are doing is worse. Do I think it makes sense? Of course, it doesn't make sense. I'm just looking for something, the, the better of the bad things. But just keep that period in which we are supposed to hear the word. Keep it sacred. Keep it, keep, keep it sacred. Keep it sacred. If you want to make announcements, make it at the end. Don't, don't wind it with that word. Keep it sacred. I'm warning you pastors, you know, as a word of God, Stop that wickedness. You don't realize it, but it's wickedness. You are worse than bandits. You are worse than kidnappers. 
You don't realize it. And you know, the same person will now start leading prayer. Let us pray in this country. Every bandit will die. God said, wait, wait, wait. If I take you serious, you will die first. You are a bandit. Bandit stealing with the word of God. You know what fella used to call? You know fella? That guy was a funny prophet too. <laughs> fella talked about different kinds of stealing. He said, catch him, catch him. Thief, thief, thief. He not described another thief that steals with what he calls authority. Okay, some of you are too young to remember what fella said. But you, I know you know what fella said. You know what he said? Authority stealing. Do you remember it? Fella said authority stealing past arm robbery. That's a prophetic word. <laughs> Apostle, authority stealing past banditry. If a man will take the word of God, twist it to collect money from your pocket is worse than an arm robber. When I'm preaching, I digress into those moments to address some other things. Let's get back to the main message. The sin of neglect, I'm convinced, is the number one sin of believers these days. Little regard for the word of God. That man of God, I can't remember who exactly said it. So they feed themselves three hot meals every day and feed their spirits. That They feed their bodies three hot meals every day then feed their spirit one cold snack a week. And that cold snack now is poisoned. And we wonder why we have problems at home, why we are sick, why we are confused, why our businesses don't do well, why we just have bad luck. What is the prescription? That's what I'm saying. You say, I will go outside, I will feed my spirit. I will examine myself. I will listen to this. I will consecrate myself to the plan of God for my life. Because these are things we don't do. We still consecrate ourselves to running to a place where there's prosperity. A lot of people are, they are coming to learn the word. <laughs> before, before I stepped up and this Anointing came upon me to teach this word. This one I'm doing now. You know, I said it on Tuesday, actually. There are, there are three kinds of knowledge, spiritual knowledge. There's facts. There's spiritual facts. God is the creator. Jesus went to the cross. Are you getting my point? Demons are falling angels. You know, that kind of, all those kind of stories. There are spiritual facts. We can have knowledge of that. Then the second level of knowledge is spiritual principles. And there are all kinds of spiritual principles there. Buddhists learn them. Hindus learn them. Babalawos know them. DBS know them. And unfortunately, that's where Christians are stuck. The real knowledge is the third one. That is the knowledge of God and of Christ. That is the knowledge of the glory of God. That is the third kind of spiritual knowledge and is the most important knowledge. Now, what I'm trying to bring out is this. Many Christians are not consecrated to God's plan for their lives. They have just come to learn spiritual knowledge, that second level, the principles, so that they can get what they want out of life. They are still running their own plans. When you are taking time out to pray, to take the medicine of God, 
Amongst the things you, you take time out to say, this is what I'm going to do, is I'm going to take a day to consecrate myself. You say, God, why did you give me life? That's all I want to do. Because, you see, you can't... Exp- Let me tell you something. Sometimes death is withdrawal from service. Withdrawal from service. And God said, this, this boy is not working again. Retire him. That's what death is for Christians. If ultimately that's what it is. It's whether it is early retirement or proper retirement. That's what we're going to be discussing. The story that I said, because what I say to one, I say to all. That's why I quote it. That one he said to Kennedy Hagen. It was God who was saying to him, listen, the work I'm giving you to do, you're not doing it. I'm going to endure with you to this particular time, after which I will get tired. There was a prophet then that decided to be a teacher that God didn't call to teach. And his friends told him, listen, God has not called you to teach. He said, I know. I just want to teach. And God told another prophet. He said, at the end of so and so year, that was five years after that, that is, the Lord was giving him this in a particular year, and this was going to happen about five or six years after. He said, by this particular year, I'm removing the person that stands in the forefront of the prophetic movement on the earth today. He said, why? He said, it's leading the body of Christ astray. Yeah. He said, I'm removing him because he's leading the body of Christ astray. The other day, you know, I was watching one man on TV, and quoting that man, I said, eh, this is the man that... <laughs> because I know the name. He said, Brazos also said this one, and he said this one. I said, are you quoting him? I hope you are not also leading the body of Christ astray. Because the cane we used for the senior wife is <laughs> still there inside a jaw, you know? I say, ah, this man, you know they feel. People don't read though. That's what I'm talking about consecration. Sometimes you don't know it, but you just consecrate and say, God, nevertheless, concerning my life, not my will, but your will be done. That's part of prayer for healing. Pastor Corey told me, he said, I didn't ask this person, how are you going to do this thing? Because it's either you are drunk with wine, or what? You are filled with the spirit. How do you get drunk with wine? You will go and sleep, and then you wake up and you are drunk. Is that how you get drunk with wine? If you? How do you go? <laughs> you go to the bar. You tarry. You don't just go, and then you are drunk. You just take one shot, you are drunk. Real drunk. You tarry. If you are drink, the most the most difficult way to get drunk is to drink beer. You are going to tarry for a long time. If you want to be drunk, get kind, kind, thank you. <laughs> 30 percent alcohol. As you hit the thing that your stomach will respond. You know, alcohol is very interesting. Food is absorbed from where? Intestines, thank you. Alcohol is absorbed directly from the stomach. As soon as it hits, in 15 seconds, the blood on the filler. <laughs> you just did the drink and they go. You'll be there after one hour. <laughs> Your eye starts rolling. Then to bring more. 
Another hour, you've lost your ability to coordinate. If you try to come down from that stool. <laughs> Do not be drunk with wine. But what? Be filled with the Spirit. Why, why, why are we talking about wine? In the same manner. It's not just, I quote one scripture, I'm filled. He said a number of things. Singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sometimes you need to call Nathan Abbasi. He said, here I am, send me. Plug it in your ears. <laughs> and that's just why you never start to. You're just trying to get ready. I'm listening. Any kind of music is good. Once it's praising God. Once it's declaring the word of God. Even if it's Kirk Franklin, there's no problem. You know, some people don't understand. Da, da, da. They start falling asleep. Boy, can you plan again? Um, uh, what's that one? I don't even know him again. Do you want a revolution? No, that one, a revolution somewhere. <laughs> one day I was walking with my wife. We were not married at that time. I just met her that time. We were just taking a stroll in UBTH in Benin. And she was not singing. There was one song. It's raining. It, they were singing down the road. She was singing along. I was looking at her like, what? You can sing that song. No one those Franklin songs. There's somebody who's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, it's raining, raining. I was like, no, I've listened to that album, but yeah, they jump those tracks. Don't they attract it? Now jump. Once you sing, once you sing, my life is in your hands, you know, you jump and jump and keep jumping. She's one of those ones that used to jump. And she wasn't just only singing, she was waving her hand and nodding her head and laughing and smiling. I said, my God, okay, frankly, okay. That track may not be so bad after all. <laughs> but I'm going to say, whatever it is, get it. Wake your spirit up. Get a message, one hour. Like I was saying the other day, there's a particular Kenehigi message that I used to, that is, if I just wake up during the night, I say, let me just feel happy. That message is about 15 minutes. Me and him, we can preach it together. I hope you follow what I'm going to say here. That is how you get filled with the Spirit. If you check it, Ephesians said, do not be drunk with wine, wherein it's excess, be filled with the Spirit. If you now go to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians and Ephesians, you know, we analyzed it here some time ago. I don't know how many of you remember. In our school of Bible exegesis, we, we looked at it that they are the same thing. Ephesians is for the whole body of Christ. Colossians was now condensed, the same the same teaching for a particular church. So he explained that. He said, be filled with the Spirit. When he was going to write to the Colossians, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do I get filled with the Spirit? That's what I'm talking about. I make sure the word of Christ fills my heart richly. Write these things down. Prescribe it for yourself. This is what I'm going to do on the retreat. And afterwards, I will take this and take this morning and night. Even after I've gotten well. I wasn't going to say until I'm well. No, even after. After all, the number one sin of Christians is what? Neglect of the word of God. And by the way, don't wait till you fall sick critically before you do these things. 
I like one thing Rod Parsley said once, you can miss that mess. He said you can miss that mess. That it doesn't have to happen before you solve the problem. After all, this is what I have said. If you do it, is it not blessing to bring it to your life? It doesn't have to be for curing diseases alone. Even though today we are focused on it, that listen, Lillian B. Yeoman said something, Ken Hagin said the same thing, and I think John G. Lake said the same thing. That if anybody will give me the same attention they give to, to doctors, I will get them healed 100% of the times. But there will be no charge. The major problem we have is that we are very meticulous in our attention to doctors, but we are not meticulous in our attention to the great physician. And what's my message for today? If we want to receive healing from him, we have to be meticulous also in our attention to him. Listen to me, if you do what we have said today, I don't believe there's any disease that God will not care for you. There's none. There is none. There's absolutely none. There is absolutely none. When we say we are believing God, there are things we are doing. That's what I've just tried to explain. If we say we are believing God for healing, and listen, by the way, let me just say this again. Some people say that um, Christians don't take medicine. I said, who said we don't? Don't Christians take medicine? It just depends on how you arrange it. This to us is valid medicine. It is valid medicine. I was ill the other day. I wasn't feeling well. At the point, that I was so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. You know, I didn't want for anything, chicks. Because for certain reasons, I determined that this one, God, let's solve it. You know, let's let's handle this thing. So we we'll handled it like I said: scriptures, prayer, consecrations, and stuff like that. So at the point in time, I was feeling very, very uneasy. You know, you, you know, you know what they call <laughs> uncomfortable. You have a big bed, but you want to go and sit on a stool because you are very uncomfortable. Then when you sit on this stool, you realize that that's even worse. So you go to the floor. Then you realize that the floor is hard. Then you leave the floor. You go to a chair. Then you realize that you can't straighten your back. Then you go to where you straighten your back. Then you are back to the bed where you began from. Just make a long story short. Your life is miserable. I was in that kind of situation. My, my body would get hot. I'm really, really hot, you know, uncomfortable, feverish. After a while, I said, God, sorry, can I ask you for something? Literally, I prayed like that. I said, Lord, I'm really uncomfortable. This fever is disturbing me. I said, should I get two tablets? (laughs) Do you know what the Lord did? He broke the fever in five minutes. And that was the end of it. Never came back. I'm not, five minutes. I just said, Lord, I'm really uncomfortable. And I noticed something after that time. Every time I pick on something and tell him about it, it it, it just takes it away. Then I said, Lord, I I can't taste anything. I need to drink water. I need to take a drink. I'll just pray about it like that. Five minutes time, I'll drink a liter of water. So I told someone, one of our brothers I was talking about, I said, they say you are not taking medicine. I said, do I look like I'm not taking medicine? Can't you see the way I'm taking my medicine? I said, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. In fact, one particular night, I was so uncomfortable because I realized what happened. You remember that night you guys came to the house, 
There was a time I said that I needed to go upstairs. I can remember. They now say, let's pray first before I leave. You understand? When I got upstairs, you know, I, I needed to leave because there's this discomfort that just came upon me. So when I got upstairs, I said, oh, Lord, what is going on? And I realized that it's, it's low blood sugar. You know, I'm a doctor, so I understand. I said, oh, my blood sugar must be really low because I had not been eating. So I called Izu. I said, right now, I am very uncomfortable. I'm trembling. I feel horrible. He said, okay, sir. Let me come over. I'll put a drip for you. I run 5% dextrose overnight. So I said, okay, I'll call you back. What do I do? What do I do? I prayed again. I said, Lord, I'm really uncomfortable. My blood sugar, I think, is really low. I don't feel like eating right now. I can't eat. What do we do? So, thoughts just came to my mind that, listen, if Izu comes, puts a drip on you, he puts one liter, 5% dextrose, how much, how much energy do you think you're going to get? I calculated it. I said, so if you can drink this number of bottles of drink that will get into your stomach, won't it be better with no risk and all of that? I said it would be. So I told my wife. She said, okay, what would you like to drink? I thought, no, nothing. Just say, okay, okay, let's not be like we're advertising. There's a particular drink I just asked for. I just asked for. Can you get this? It was late at night. They went out that night to go and look for it. By the time she brought it back, I mixed it with water, drank it. I found that I could drink. God gave me strength. I drank that and drank it. He still called me back and said, how far? I said, oh, sorry, I forgot to call you back. What you are going to give me <laughs> as a drip, I've taken it by mouth. You know where I got the strength to take it from? I just prayed about it simply. So I told somebody, I said, who said I'm not taking medicine? I'm taking medicine now. It's just that. The doctor is different. I had, I had one human doctor that doesn't know anything. And I knew. <laughs> and I had a heavenly doctor who one by one, if I presented my issues to him, he would solve them. You know what we want? Raise me up suddenly. God said, no, 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 no. You are going to raise up slowly. You know one thing he told Israel? He said, you are going to captivity. You are going. 70 years you'll be in Babylon. He said, do you know why? Because the land has to enjoy 70 years of Sabbath. He said, I want to give the land its rest. Sometimes when God, when you are knocked down like that, I said, God, raise me up. Now God said, no. You are owing me 15 hours of word. You have not listened to it. If you get up now, I know where you are going. Walk. Say, lie down there. He said, before I was afflicted, I went straight. Now I obey your word. What am I saying to believers? Let's tap this power. Let's bring it into our bodies. Let's bring it into our souls. Let's allow the Lord to walk in us. That is what I am saying to believers. Let's repent of the number one sin of the church, which is what? Neglect of the word of God. Let me put it like this. Get ready to see miraculous things happen in your life. Oh God, listen, please, I want to hear your testimonies. Because I know you will have a testimony. You will have a testimony. You will have a testimony. I speak to somebody listening to me who they said you have cancer and you are going to die and you will not live. Let me just give you the word of God. Do what I have said today and you will live, you will not die.
Gradually over four to five weeks, God will cause complete recovery in your body. In the name of Jesus Christ. I curse leukemia and I command it to die in Jesus' name. That heart that is weak, begin to receive strength in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak to that heart that is weak. Doctors have been giving drugs to try and strengthen it. Receive strength now in the name of Jesus. For that man that had a stroke, complete recovery is your portion in the name of Jesus. I say complete recovery is your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, give us our bread from heaven. We ask for a fresh bread today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.